0: Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about, and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Shahina Siddiqui is a speaker, educator, community leader, and the co-founder and volunteer executive director of the Islamic Social Services Association, also known as ISSA. I've wanted her on the podcast since we really first launched, and I'm honored that she's my guest today. Shahina has a wisdom and a presence that very few people have, and her perspective on life and all its challenges is really incredible. I sat down with Shahina Siddiqui to talk about life, her faith, her career with ISSA, and the wonderful work that they're doing, and how community can collectively heal in a post-COVID-19 world. Thank you for listening to the Because and Effect podcast. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and I have a very special guest joining me today. Someone I've wanted on the podcast since we very first started this podcast, Shahina Siddiqui. She is the, an author, a speaker, an educator, and co-founder of ISSA, the Islamic Social Services Association, and currently serves as their volunteer executive director. Shahina Siddiqui, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well. Like I said, I've wanted, ever since we launched this podcast, I've heard you speak maybe half a dozen times just at different events and everything. And it's always, I always walk away wondering how I can make the world a better place and how I can help others and do just make, make things better. Um, So thank you for sharing your wisdom whenever you can and sharing it with us today. But maybe before we get into your wisdom and, and Issa and everything, tell me just how are you? How have you been dealing with the pandemic? How have things been going for the last couple of years mm. when everything's sort of going crazy around us?
1: Yeah, it's it's been an adjustment just like for everyone else. But uh, I was fortunate enough to keep the workplace open because we had um, skeleton staff so we could all be in our rooms. That helped. Because the home, my husband was working at home. The grandkids were doing schooling. My son was doing court. (laughs) So it was just like, no, 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 I can't survive it. (laughs) And you know how men are when they are home. It's time for tea, right? Exactly. Oh, constant breaks. Constant
0: (laughs) (laughs) breaks. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. (laughs) So
1: it was was good. Um, I think also, um, you know, you become so much more introspective. Mm. Uh, when you are socially, as you say, isolated. I was never socially isolated. I didn't feel it like maybe physically, but um, that introspection, that that looking at the world with a fresh eye, uh, seeing that no matter how much human beings have progressed, we are still at the mercy of nature, right? Uh, so all the arrogance that we have, um, it kind of way on the wayside. Um, and you become really humbled that this little, um, I would say, a disease or, or a virus could bring a whole world to a standstill, right? So I'm, I'm hoping that others as well uh, use this time for self-reflection, for appreciating the community, appreciating family, appreciating friends. Because you don't, we take so many things for granted, right? And this showed us no, you can't. So yeah, it, it's been a learning experience. It's it's been um, to me very spiritually charged, mm. and then at the same time, reaching out to communities, doing Zoom, uh, you know, bringing people together um, in times of tragedy, uh, especially funerals, wherever difficult. For families and friends, so we would arrange a Zoom where people from across the country could come and talk to each other about the loss. Um, We're not that large a community in Canada anyway, just 1.2 million. So it's uh, somebody you somehow know, somebody, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I think uh, I have no regrets. Um, I'm just now uh, picking up on
0: the issues that will be coming up. Yeah, well, that's what I want to talk about. How do you mm-hmm. think society is going to be changed from all of this? Do you think it's going to be a net positive? Do you think we're going to, I, I mean, personally, I, I feel like there's, there's going to be a bit of a hangover from this thing and mm-hmm. people are going to be the mental health um, issues are going to be permeating for a lot of years and it's going to be pretty rough, but what are, what are your thoughts on sort of the post pandemic life and how that's going to affect people?
1: Yeah, I think it is a matter of reconnecting, mm. right? Uh, the pandemic also d- saw us dividing, right? Between the non-vaxxer and the waxes or whatever. Mm. Um, and that <clears throat> those kind of divisions don't heal easily. Uh, and God forbid, if there is another wave, it might um, exasperate that. Mm. Uh, but I think what we need to really pay attention to right now is first the family relations right, uh, is one thing. Uh, my friend, for example, saw her grandchildren after two and a half years, right, wow. And, and her joy in it, but still, I miss so much of their life,
0: right, so much happens in the first two yeah. years of, of development, no kidding,
1: and uh, so that was, uh, is we need to Pay attention to that, that relationships have to be built again. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: People have grown in this time. Families have been divided on this issue of vaccination, right? So healing, all that. So healing needs to be taken seriously, but slow. The other thing, children have been on the uh, social media. They have been exposed to the screen far too much, right? So there will be health issues, too, whether it's eyes or whatever, uh, strain. But also because parents were also working uh, during the day, didn't have the time to pay attention. Are they really in school or are they being uh, taken away on social media and, and making um, friendships that shouldn't be there? So we will see um, rise uh, among us providers. We have the rise of addiction to pornography. of uh, ped- uh, Predators on um, you know online, um, so that will need to be uh, to be really paid attention to. We've also seen rise of domestic violence, uh, but because of COVID, many didn't seek help, right? Uh, so that's uh, also something that uh, will have to be looked at. Uh, but yeah, one's own personal personal life, right? Um, For example, in our community, so many people have extended family or parents overseas who passed away and they could not visit, right, give their uh, last uh, rights or say their goodbyes. Mm -hmm. So thank God for for, um, having this kind of conversation over Zoom or any other platform. But remember, newcomers don't have that. Uh, or or can't reach there because there are conflicts in those areas. Mm -hmm. So I think all the service providers will have to really come up to par and and recognize that this is going to be a whole new reality for many. A lot of pain, a lot of grief, a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, exploitation uh, of our our young people. Um, So let's get ready.
0: Yeah there's people were forced to evolve people were forced to be uncomfortable people were forced to live lives that they weren't used to living mm-hmm. um what what did what was most surprising for you about the pandemic personally like what did you learn what did you th- not see coming that happened or what what from the past 2 years kind of took you by surprise in in your personal life or mm-hmm. or, or professional life yeah
1: i think uh, personally um I mean, for me to remain normal, timing's going to work coming home. Uh, but the, the demand from, from uh, family uh, really to keep in touch, right? Mm-hmm. Before you could miss a couple of weekends and, and everything would be fine. Uh, but this need, this urge, this craving that, no, I have to connect more often. Are they okay? Have they, you know, somebody is sneezing, I do you have COVID? <laughs> <laughs> I don't stuff, which we would have normally just ignored, right? Uh, and then celebration, religious holidays, coming and going. I, I do a huge um, open house, which I haven't been able to do for two years. Um, so those things, of course, you miss right and and uh, but nothing major we were able to be very cognizant of our diet fruits and vegetables build up your immune system all my grandma's recipes were revived
0: the best
1: <laughs> so uh, those those are the good and, and at the same time tiring sometimes yeah but in general I'm sorry I forgot the second part
0: no, I was just curious about what su- what surprised you over the In last In the
1: community, years. yeah, what surprised me? I wasn't expecting as much uh, mental health uh, concerns mm-hmm. as prior to this. Um, human beings are resilient by nature, we are created. And of course, some would have mental health issues. But the ones that we saw uh, and the ones that we we will see, um, especially for the Muslim community. It was the hate crime and the hate speech and everything going up. Even in Ottawa, the people organizing it were, you know, not good, uh, good with Muslims. Um, that internalizing of that message because mm-hmm. when the youth are on social media more mm-hmm. than they should be, or if they're reading headlines, they will never bother about a newspaper. But my grandkids started reading newspapers, mm-hmm. so <laughs> would that be? Get, um that has had an impact. Uh, sure. They have asked questions that I'm sure other families have experienced. Why of things? Why is this happening? Why are people uh, behaving this way? Um, and so those mental health issues, uh, relationships were definitely strained. Uh, marital relationships. Uh, those are issues that, that are coming up and will come up. Not being able to see your clients in person,
2: hmm.
1: you see, much of the counselling is face to face. I know people were doing it online, but I can tell you, it, it's not the same. Yeah, uh, and and so feeling frustrated that you can't reach out, uh, can't assess as best as you can. can. I'm one of those who reads body language and and uh, so forth. Um, not being able to give a a, a sister a a hug just to say things will be okay, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that does impact. And when you are physically uh, not re- receiving the nurturing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it does impact your emotions for and, sure. and your mental health. So we are gearing up and preparing for that. Uh, and those are not going to go away. People think, okay, one month, two months after COVID, everything will be fine. Mm. No, uh, imagine what the Ukrainian refugees are going through right now right? They had just came out of COVID, then into a war, and now into being, uh, and there are many others around the world. Uh, so many families who had applied for immigration, for example, their files went on hold for two and a half years, right? Um, so the process is already slow, but it got further slow. So um, and, a pe- and some couple of cases I'm aware of where they were waiting for their papers and they passed away so it's just that kind of um, pain and anguish, uh, which may be very personal, uh, but collectively it can become quite, quite yeah. a societal issue.
0: Yeah. Well, we it's it's a collective trauma. I don't I don't yeah. remember. Maybe maybe <clears throat> excuse me. Nine eleven was the last time there was this collective like pain all across North America that I've never. Well, all across the world that I've never really experienced in my lifetime before, as far as like everyone in the world is going through this and we can all, but, but it's weird that you, you, we talked a little bit about division and divisiveness and and sort of the othering of others. And, and it seems as though there's always going to be people who try to take advantage of situations like this and try to pit people against each other. So what's, what's the remedy for divisiveness? How do, how do we fight that?
1: You know, we we have been even through COVID doing anti-racism trainings because as soon as COVID hit, China was it. So all Chinese or, or those who look like uh, were targeted in our country. And and we have apologized for the head tags. Everything was now fine. We are moving forward, but we hadn't moved forward, right? One uh, push and, and uh, everything came back and everything. Uh, so I think you know I often say to people when a country, when a nation uh, is built on injustice mm-hmm. that we did to the inhabitants of this land, this land was not empty, mm-hmm. right? There were people, there were nations, there were tribes, there were people and we we colonized them, we took it over, we forced ourselves, we were not invited in, right. Uh, And I think if we had asked for an invitation, knowing the generosity of the indigenous of this land, they would have said, okay, let's, you know, on, but we forced it, we colonized. So that injustice is literally to me in the very DNA of our our nation, which has then infiltrated into sectors. Everything is built on that, Mm -hmm. right? So do we break the... uh, Break the entire structure, uh, destroy it, and rebuild again. Something we can, I don't think so. I'm, mm. I'm a grandmother a little more realistic, and I don't believe uh, that destroying something builds something. But what we can do, we can do renovations. Mm. Okay, mm. Uh, really good renovations that go right to the roots to to the foundation of of this uh, country that we have built. Um, and with the help of the uh, first nations of this land, of course, with respect with with humility, I think what is lacking in our uh, in us, which is keeping us apart from each other, is humility. Mm. The arrogance of our position, because of social media, we are in echo chambers, right? So we are surrounded by people who think like us, say yay, 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 go, hurrah, hurrah. There is no critical thinking. There is no critical conversation happening. Um, and and so we are living in our silos. We have been, and and this is a big, huge uh, issue in, in Canada uh, that is bubbling up to the surface. It always was there, but now it's bubbling up. Um, and I think we forgot, I mean, look at the prices that have gone up for groceries. I go for grocery and I say, oh my God, I don't know how someone on limited income with three children mm-hmm. is surviving, right? Um, so so many ripple effects of this. Um, and then, you know, even trying to divide the newcomers and, and, and those who are established um, and still needing immigrants, like, <laughs> so, what are we trying to do to ourselves, right? Or or our coming generations. So I think the leaders, whether they are political, community leaders, religious leaders, they need to come together, right? But in our uh, programs, what we are doing um, is we are bringing people from communities who have been impacted by racism uh, to, to tell their stories. See, you can Google and find definitions or research papers. But when you hear real stories of people uh, as to what they went to, what their families went to, and what this legislation and that legislation did to them, whether it was racism, sexism, um, you know, sexism is also a product of colonization. Indigenous women had all the rights, Muslim women had all the rights, but when they were colonized, They were turned into European clones, right? Where women didn't have any rights. They could be bequeathed in their will, you know. So so learn that history as to where this is, where the roots are. Um, Because you can't just pick the poisonous fruit. Mm -hmm. Throw it away and say, okay, we are okay. No, the roots are poisoned. They will continue to produce poisonous fruit. So let's get to the cause of it and let's start dealing with it. But at the same time, let's not forget the victims. Racism will be as always been there. It's a human, a human disease. (laughs) Animals are not racist, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a human disease. Religious bigotry has been there since time beginning. What we can do is work to educate and train and help people understand. And then at the same time, pay attention to the victims uh, of because when I work with uh, clients who have been discriminated against, whether at workplace, uh, racialized, uh, they literally become at one point, unemployable because of the frustration that they have been built and mm-hmm. not being heard. We are not hearing them, mm-hmm. right? We are still caught up in this whole uh, world war. Um, you know, and I I don't like to use the word you. That person is racist. I I, I would rather say they are ignorant of the facts. Mm-hmm. Right, that opens up a, a passageway to have a conversation to learn. But once you label someone, that's it. Yeah, it's, so the it, doors are it
0: ends the it ends it before the conversation can even get started. Start. But you talked about so much there, and there's so many different directions we could go, but I think one of the in- most interesting ones is that everything is intertwined, you know, you can't deal with racism without dealing with food security and you can't, you know, everything is all connected in some way. So through your work at uh, the Islamic Social Services Association, I mean, how have you learned over the last, because you've been there 20 years, over 20 years?
1: Plus, yeah, 20 Since plus. 99, 23. so 23? Mm -hmm.
0: congratulations for us all incredible (laughs) secondly like how has your work in 99 evolved till now when it comes to just a holistic approach like you can't just give someone a job you if, if they they have to learn all the sort of full 360 degrees of how to integrate and how to you know live their lives so like I don't think people really understand that when they support charities or support different organizations, because some some organization just does one thing. We just focus on this, and that's all. But these days, that's you can't just focus on one thing because there's there's a thousand different things to focus on in someone's life. So how how does that holistic approach work with Issa, and how have you guys sort of evolved that approach over the last twenty three years?
1: Remember, Nolan, we uh, were incorporated in nineteen ninety nine uh, in May, and then nine eleven happened. <laughs> okay <laughs> so our growth uh, has been inst- we thought we were just having a social services which would do the regular stuff but I was pushed into the line into the media into right. everything right uh, and that was the so how do we yeah we were doing social services but it soon realized that Social work in the, uh, in the traditional meaning is a client and, 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 and a service provider. In our case, we very quickly learned that social work for us, social services was to build community. And when I say community, I don't mean Muslim community only. I mean the larger community. The relationships were being strained and broken. Othering was very common. Hate mm-hmm. crime, hate speech was everywhere. Uh, media was, was a big role in, in dividing people by using problematic terms like Islamic terrorism. Within tw- about 48 hours of 9-11, I had done 72 media interviews. Oh, wow. Okay, While I was still counseling uh, clients, and it was North America-wide. It was not just I was doing work in Winnipeg, and there were a few others around North America, you could count us on your fingers. That's how many people were, because most had gone into denial that had gone with fear. They were isolating themselves. They could not deal with it. Um, And so it was a very fast learning curve for us. Even before I had an office, I was working from my home at that time and dealing with with everything. so we, we then said, okay, this is the creator's way of showing us that you can work with individuals, but they still have to go out in community. They still have to work outside. So you need to bring people. So within one year of, of 9-11, we had produced seven uh, guides, yeah. uh, toolkits for every sector. Uh, for how to work with Muslims, what is this actually Islam, and this, and I remember having our first uh, open house to launch that, we had 300 organizations in Manitoba attending, uh, which was really a big surprise, and most of it, we saw you on TV, okay,
2: so <laughs>
1: maybe media did some good, Yeah, uh, but um, but so, and everybody, so every sector of the booklet, now we have about 24 booklets, which are... Uh, Worldwide uh, demands from everywhere, uh, some for internal education, some for the external, and that is our approach. W- when you want to do an holistic, you have to recognize that these people will be going to work, their kids will be going to school, uh, that they may not have the citizenship. That mm. so all those variables are taken into account at intake, right? So we know okay now this, and that takes time then people don't know systems, right? Right. They have language barriers. So if somebody is going to court, we better have someone sitting with them there. Even going to their own lawyer, we've had to send our social worker with them because they couldn't understand the question. Mm -hmm. Because not only language, a speaking style is different. CFS, the same thing. Parents getting their children taken away because there was language barrier and people misinterpreted what the parents were saying. right? So those are, That's the approach um, that works, uh, but it takes time. It needs a lot of resources. And we worked with one social worker, (laughs) so skeleton staff. But we are very fortunate. Um, My two staffs um, were not Muslim. um, And one stayed with us for 10 years through hard times. And we could hardly pay them anything. The other one was the same. Um they have both moved on, but still like family, uh, hoping that they will join our board soon. <laughs> and now we have two young girls, one refugee from Syria and one a newcomer, both brilliant, brilliant girls and myself. Um, that's it. That's our. <laughs> wow. But we do have a group of volunteers that we can call on. Uh, but the actual services in in house are from there. We are also connected nationwide and Europe, and because I've been invited to Europe to come and speak on on what we do. So that network also helps, Mm -hmm. right? We don't like reinventing wheels. Mm -hmm. if somebody, something is working in in France or somewhere else, some research, uh, we will take that into account uh, because human beings, regardless of where we are, (laughs) our issues are the same.
0: (laughs) Well, for sure. That's what frustrates me so much that, two people who are neighbors living next to each other, they all pretty much want the same things. They want you know, safety, happiness, health for their children, everyone to be taken care of, can still somehow, at least on the surface, think, oh, screw that guy, like I don't like that guy because he doesn't believe the same political ideology or religious ideology or whatever, but your neighbors, you all want the same thing. And it's weird that people see these surface differences And don't realize that at the core, we all want the same thing. We're all human. We're we're all in this together, but there seems to be this division. So like, I mean, so much of it is just misinformation and fighting against sort of preconceived notions that aren't necessarily accurate, but like, how do you in the, in the world where you can pick up a phone and just get, you know, inundated with propaganda and, you know, anti-Muslim rhetoric or anti-religious rhetoric or anti, you know, whatever it is rhetoric, how do we, how do we battle against that when it's just this constant barrage of, of divisiveness and and of, you know, neg- negativity, like how do you fight against it personally in your day-to-day life? Uh,
1: you know, I learned very early in my life from my grandmother. My grandmother is my inspiration, my mother, my teacher, you know. Uh, they were very strong women. They never judged. Mm. This is first thing I learned: don't judge because you don't know all the facts, right? So a person may be a certain way for something that's happened to them. Even when I am counseling abusers, uh, I don't judge them because I don't know what they themselves went through, right? So this judgment has to has to be eradicated from yourself. So before you start this work, bringing people together of, of uh, and building community, you have to first build yourself. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Face your own biases, work through them. Because honestly, every one of us has biases. When you hear something, you read something, ask yourself critical questions. Where is this coming from? You know, we are so hung up on, on statistics and research, but who is doing that research? What is mm-hmm. there? teaching our young at schools, this is what, how I was taught, right? And I was taught at a Roman Catholic convent school, okay? You <laughs> know, 90% Muslim country. Um, so, but I was taught critical thinking, which I give credit to my teachers for. Um, and they encouraged us to ask questions. We are not encouraging our youth to ask, mm. right? So that's number one, that critical mind of That's a gift from the creator. That makes us different from animals, right? We can think creatively. And sometimes I think animals do a better job. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) see, they will not hunt beyond their hunger, Mm -hmm. right? They will only get what they need and that's it. Then they leave the rest. We are pillaging our land. For what? Because half the meals you get at McDonald's, you throw it out anyway because it's super size. (laughs) You can't really eat it. So little things like that, so cleanse yourself first, build yourself first, and then you can speak to people and help people. Mm -hmm. But you also have to self explain like I was there where you are, and this is how I get to be where I am. It doesn't mean-
0: Empathy, empathy. Yes,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, Not sensitivity, empathy. Because for the longest time, we've been calling a cultural uh, um, sensitivity trainings, right? In the 70s, 80s, this was a big buzzword and I was asked to, it to speak. I said, look, you can be a sensitive racist for heaven's sake. <laughs> so just, sensitivity to me is such a, it doesn't mean anything. But so it has to be cultural literacy, cultural right. competency. So if neighbor to neighbor are talking to each other, they're inviting each other uh, my grandmother always shared meals through the month of ramadan which is now right starting mm-hmm. tomorrow uh, with neighbors uh, she didn't ask oh do i like them or do they think or oh, they look like me no it was neighborhoods so
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's a wild time to sort of just watch everything unfolding around us and on our phones and like we we have a front row seat to world war You know, experiences and we're seeing tanks rolling across bridges and people getting blown blown out of buildings and it's like, I don't think human beings brains are built to have this much um, data sort of blasted at us 24 seven and stuff like that but, but it is the way of the world so like how can we mitigate the damage or the you know negative effects of having all this information while still trying to remain educated and understanding and tr- sort of aware of what's happening in the world and 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 just staying up to up to date on things without sort of losing our minds because i think lots of people that i'm talking to are slowly either retreating from all of the craziness. They're or shutting down. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so how do we, how do we sort of, uh, divert ourselves from not caring because it's just overwhelming us. Whereas we have to care because we have to solve the problems and help the people that need help.
1: Yeah. I need, we need an army of grandmothers <laughs> yes. and grandfathers. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, uh, that's what, what we do, we have a wealth of experience. We have seen wars. Um, I've lived through war, mm. uh, so I, we know, but how did we keep ourselves sane? Yes, social media was not there, <laughs> right. But uh, newspapers were, radio was, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we did, but we didn't see those graphic photos. There was a, there was some kind of protocol around what kind of photos right, get right. into newspapers, right? Now there is no, everything is so open. So when, for example, in our community, we've done a lot of healing seminars on how to take self-care um, for the providers as well as the community at large. Faith play, in our community, faith plays a big role
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: in this, uh, remembering that everything happens by the will of the creator, that uh, Allah is only asking us to do what we can. We can't change the world, right? Nobody Biden is not going to listen to us, Putin is not going <laughs> to listen to us, so we have to listen to each other. So if we get focused on the good we can do, the the repair we can do of the broken hearts and the broken lives and just stay focused on that right it is all about because social media has also taken away our ability to focus and and uh, to um, process right when you have time to process then you can self heal and self uh, whatever but now we need help Limit the time the kids are on social media. I'm not on any social media platform for my own perseverance. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to call me or send me an email, that's about all I'll do, but I will not be on social media. Um, the bullying that's happening on social media, right? So our youth are the most vulnerable. My age people, we are happy with you know whatever, mm-hmm. get me to email and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Or Zoom, right? Today, my assistant set everything up. All I had to do was click. (laughs) Perfect.
0: Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, the social media side of things is just a wild, wild west right now of insanity. And so much of it is, I I don't think people realize it's not actual humans that they're interacting with. Like, There's so many bots and just fake accounts and all of this craziness but but it feels real to people and the emotions are real and the anger is real and the fear is real and i think that's the crux of the division is the fear when you can stoke people's fears you can kind of sell them anything if they're scared and i think yeah how have you over the years dealt with fear and how, what are some sort of techniques that you use in situations that where people are trying to scare you or trying to instill that fear? And how do you fight against that?
1: You know, Nolan, this is a very interesting question you bring up because I teach this uh, about hate. People assume uh, hate, does somebody choose to hate? No, we are not created to hate. Uh, we, it is not innate in us. So if I want someone to hate you, or a group of people to hate you, I will uh, demonize you, right? So that um, I would say, you shouldn't be with that. You don't know this or or that or whatever. So the fear is the first uh, step to leading to hate. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that. And in our experience, um, Islam was demonized first, right so everything about nine and even before it's mm-hmm. it's historical but let's talk about 911 in our current times every uh day almost hundreds of times through media through other platforms people who are islamophobes being invited into our city um was islam is bad islam is this islam is that all lies all out of context all uh, and so the people started getting a because you don't know. You don't know me, you don't know my faith. So of course, but if somebody is telling you and telling you a hundred times a day, you start to absorb it, right? And then of course, 9-11, there was no social media, but later on there was an email. That was email chains used to come. And one famous line that email had used to say was, um, all uh, Muslims are not terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslim. <laughs> This would be the first line and then there would be a litany of, of things uh, under it. There were booklets being in, in Winnipeg, booklets being and brochures being spread about how um, demonic Islam is. So once you did that, so this is now religious profiling. It's not racial profiling. So now and I have chosen to be Muslim, to follow Islam. Mm-hmm. So I must be subhuman because I'm choosing this demonic faith, right? You see the cycle and it was strategic. It it just didn't happen because of Mm 9-11. There had been a lot of other terrorist attack around the world. We didn't go after that community, right? And it still continues. So it was strategic, it was well-planned. And that is why I can consider the term Islamophobia more accurate than anti-Muslim hate. Mm -hmm. So, this is, what did we do with the indigenous? The same, same process. Take this formula and you can subject, uh, juxtapose it on any form of racism, bigotry, whatever.
0: Russians right. are using it against Ukrainians right now too. Yes. So, and even, exactly. yeah.
1: And uh, when a formula is tried and tested, then why not keep, keep doing it? So what do we do? We reverse, we reverse the process. So we say, okay, hate is here, and you're hating me because of this. Well, I'll tell you what is the truth. It is a long process. We have been working at it for 20 plus years. But I can see change, I can see realization, but our focus is not people who choose to be that way, who have decided, no, this is it, I don't wanna know, but on people who want to know, want to change the narrative, want to hear, that this is not true. Those are the people we are concentrating on and right. and there are many. many I, majority.
0: I think about that all the time yeah. in the context of the foundation and like we throw these events and we have these you know speakers come in and we have these meetings and community gatherings and everything but I feel like the people who are in the room are already sort of converted right yeah. those are the people who are already on the team of team community and team you know togetherness how do we reach the people who are refusing to come to the table to have a conversation have you thought about that or is it like is it just better to spend our time on on sort of the, the fence sitters or is it like how do we reach the ones that don't want to be reached
1: um by you being reachable mm. Anybody can call and come. Even those who have threatened my life are welcome to come to my office. People who have uh, literally assaulted, I did not want any action taken against them. I did not file a report. I would invite them to come have tea, talk to me. Because, or, and those who don't, I will leave them alone, but I'll continue giving my message. Mm. See, when sitting with everyone who agrees with you is good healing for me, right? But it doesn't leave that room, that conversation. So we, have also, we also, because we are traumatized, create echo chambers, physical echo chambers, mm-hmm. where everybody's saying, yes, you are right, this is bad, da, 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 da. We need to go out of that comfort zone, right? So I have been on many tour, uh, speaking tours and others where I have been challenged in, 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 and, and I've said, thank you, thank you for asking that question, but are you now willing to listen to me,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And there are people who have come after with tears in their eyes. Mm. Yeah. I have to give room to people to believe as they believe while I can explain, okay, this is why I believe what I believe, Well, hey, interesting to know why you, right?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a it's been a weird phenomenon that I've noticed maybe lately, or maybe it's always been like this, but it you know that old saying, live and let live? Like people don't really let others live if they're not living the same way as them. And it's like, why can't like there's different ways to live that there isn't just one doctrine that we all must follow. There's yeah. there's so many, and and I think partially because i'm privileged enough that i've been able to travel i've been able to go to different countries and meet different people and see that there are different ways of living and different ways of knowing and different ways of experiencing the world but like has this always been the way that people are as far as like if you don't live the way i live then you know screw you you know has that always been a thing or is this has this been getting more pronounced over the last few years or or what's your perspective
1: we have become more individualistic Hmm. You know, we don't even have any more block parties. You rem- you won't even remember. Maybe your grandmother <laughs> does. Uh, where the neighborhood would have a barbecue. Everybody would bring something and we would meet. Our children would play together. Now we tell our children, don't go to that house.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you imagine? We are depriving our kids. So this individuality is part of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Because the only goal is how much can we make? Uh, I might sound like, I have been told, very old fashioned. Well, I'd rather be old fashioned with values than new fashioned with no values, right? Um, So that community feeling, that community, um, to me, it's a duty uh, because that's what my faith and my grandmother taught me. When I take care of people, they are doing me a favor by allowing me to be their helper. Uh, So it's an honor for me. It's not um, not anything that that is grand about me. So I think that whole paradigm shift of values, because the core values are still there. Every human uh, society has the same core values, but we are slowly losing them because we are being brainwashed to think... The more you have, the better off you are. Yeah. Um, and in times of war, is the worst, and we have been at war for now. How long? Was well, some war or the other, right? Uh, and and that also divides people.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's a wild time to just watch this all unfolding in HD on you know on our screens in front of our faces. It's it's really, it's really tough to to sort of maintain sanity and maintain community and and try to all stay on the same page. But um, yeah, do you you think extremism is on the rise or on the decline in in general?
1: It depends how you define extremism. Mm. You see, you asked for what is at the heart of it. We are losing the sense of justice. Mm. Justice for all means justice for me. But if you, I only want justice for myself, that's it. There is no justice then. So at the heart of justice, and this is a concept that, that I have learned with, within the tradition, in our tradition, when we talk about peace, we all want peace, right? Okay, wonderful. How do you get peace? It's not a mantra. Right? Not the hippie way of making a sign and saying, Peace, brother, peace, even though they came up with live and let live, which is wonderful. I live by that, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, so, peace, uh, so we are told in our tradition, peace uh, is the outcome, right? It is of the action, outcome of action. Yeah. But how do you reach that? What is the pr- process by which you will get peace, both individually and, and as a community? Is that you stand up? for justice, now and bring justice. Now, how do you bring justice? Is that you stand up against oppression and persecution. Now, whether that oppression is in your home, abuse, whatever, or in your society, or in the form of racism and discrimination and, and religious bigotry, you have to work against it you have to make sure that there is no persecution and oppression of anyone towards anyone, regardless of whether you belong. Once you do that, the outcome will be justice for all. And once you have justice, then you will have peace. Mm. That's the formula, not the other way around, Mm. right? So if you're working for justice, you're always happy. I don't have times when I'm unhappy. I do have times when I'm exhausted. justice, and then giving voice to those who don't have uh, I, if my neighbor is persecuting, uh, persecuted, oppressed, it's my duty to stand up with them, not speak for them, but stand with them. Mm-hmm. That's where you get your strength. That's where you get your, um, because your heart is at rest, right? You, you are trying and that's all that is required of you uh, to do that. Um, yeah. But we we are we are really losing that. We we just want something for ourselves and don't care if our neighbors right.
0: have it. Yeah. What's that old quote? That's like, first they came for my neighbor and I said nothing, and then they came, or and then they came mm-hmm. for me, right? Like, if you see and and that has to start early, right? We're mm-hmm. we're teaching our kids like, if you see someone being bullied, if you see someone being like, if you see Stop something, it. say something. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. back in the day, it was kind of like everyone would just leave, lean back, and let let people just oppose their wills on others. But yeah, you have to start that at a very young age. But um, that's yeah, so, so much wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing your time and wisdom. I, I think you should get on social media because you could reach so many people, right? Like you, your, your message needs to be spread across the world. And if you're on Twitter, like you could be tweeting. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I will have, we all need downtime too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It
0: does take a little bit of time. Um, so Shaheen, at the end of our time together, I do a segment called Just Because. It's like the same seven questions all about the causes you care about and the effect that it's had on your lives. Are you okay to go through those seven questions with me?
1: <laughs> sure. All right.
0: Quick. Okay, question one. What is the very first cause you ever remember caring about? Uh, women's rights was that from your After grandma and mom or, or my ha- grandmother
1: she was so strong uh and so i wanted to be that strong and she stood up for herself she said i don't need anyone i'll stand up for myself so. i love it my grandma
0: vera too same just the strongest woman i've ever known incredible uh question two if money and politics and logistics were no issue at all you could just snap your fingers and something would happen what would you do in support of your current cause
1: I would establish the Institute for Muslim Mental Health and Wellness, mm. open to all peoples, but uh, especially because this is where we need to reach. We people are hurting.
0: That's going to be the great pandemic of our time. I think is the mental health, you know, p- exactly. epidemic that's about to hit us, or that is cur- we're currently going through. Yeah, great answer. Uh, question three: What's the biggest misunderstanding? We kind of talked about stigma a little mm-hmm. bit, but what's the biggest stigma about your cause?
1: uh it's it's just a byproduct of islamophobia right that uh, we are going to take over right? we are in this for ourselves but don't realize our work is all collaborative mm.
2: uh
1: it is not about taking money away from any other cause but it yeah. is yeah service, service to humanity is is worship of the creative
0: yeah, it's not a zero sum game either, right? If someone gets rights, it doesn't mean they're taking away your rights. And, and we have this weird mentality of that, yeah. Uh, question four, what's a recent victory that you could share with us that you're happy with or proud of?
1: You know, I, I wouldn't call it a victory uh, because it's, this is not a war. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: It's, it's human, human service. And uh, just recently I got an email uh, from someone who had attended one of my talks. Uh, and emailed me saying uh, how it changed her life to find that she could incorporate spirituality into her therapy, therapeutic. uh, And she said, you don't know how many people around the world you have impacted, not directly, they may not even know you, but through those whom you have taught. Mm -hmm. And to me, to see the fruit of my labor in my lifetime, is the biggest reward. So I would say what has been your reward, I would say that to see, and there have been many, many more um, responses from people. I go to conferences and these young people come to me and they say, you know, you, you inspired me to be a social worker or to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And I don't even remember them being yeah. <laughs> because they've all grown up, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's my. That's incredible. It.
0: Well, it's just the ripples, right? You you're the stone that drops into the water, and the ripples will forever, you know, emanate. That's beautiful. Uh, question five: What's the best advice that you've ever been given?
1: <laughs> my husband, he'll tell me about it. But when I when we I was very young when we got married, and um, so I used to sometimes what people said bothered me. So he said to me. God has given us two ears, one in, one out. <laughs> so all the creditors, everything, everything that I get, it goes in one. And
0: <laughs> now that's wisdom too, if I've ever heard it. Beautiful, I love it. Uh, question six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could talk to her right now?
1: I would say tie up your seatbelts. You're on for a ride. <laughs>
0: Strap in! That's
1: yes, great.
0: yes, incredible. Uh, question seven: What the final question? What do you want to be remembered for?
1: I don't know if there's anything to remember me for, um, but uh, just pray for me. That's that's all I want. I want people to pray uh, and those and continue the work. Hopefully, God will provide other people. That will do the same.
0: Well, like I said at the start, every time I hear you speak, I want to go out there and change the world. So thank you for inspiring Insha. me and the foundation and everyone that you've uh, come in contact with because you are a treasure and we must protect you oh. at all costs. So thank you so thank much. For you to us. Thank you, Nolan. So it's great to talk much. to you. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you again to Shahina Siddiqui. I had high expectations for how this conversation was going to go, but she really exceeded all of them. Uh, I'm honored to have her on the show. It's such an important figure in our city, and I'm, I'm really just blown away that she said yes, and I'm, I'm really honored that uh, I got to share this time with her, so thank you very much. Uh, I'm a little bit late putting the podcast up, so I'm going to make this quick. All music on the show is composed and produced by Trenton Burton. You can search Trenton Burton on Spotify to hear more of his music. The Cause and Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. To learn more about what we're up to, visit WPGFDN.org or search at WPGFDN on all social media platforms. We also have a brand new initiative at the Winnipeg Foundation, partnered with the National Screen Institute. It's called Cinematoba, and if you know any aspiring Manitoba filmmakers, have them check out Cinematoba.org to learn how they can have a mentorship with an established filmmaker in our province, uh, as well as $10,000 to go towards making a film about generosity. Again, that's Manitoba Filmmakers, up for $10,000 if you go to Cinematoba.org, and there's a whole mentorship program and component uh, connected with that, but yeah, Cinematoba.org for more information about that. That's all for this week. Thank you again for listening. My name is Nolan Bicknell. You've been listening to Because and Effect. And uh, remember, faith is taking the first step, even if you don't see the whole staircase. Bye-bye.